Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 86. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. Today's episode I actually recorded back in January of 2016, and I've been sitting on it for a year and a half. The interview is with Carrie Olson. She is a professional voice actress who had just gotten off a year-long RV road trip tour with her husband, Derek, and their daughter, Amelie, for their book, One Bed, One Bank Account. The reason I sat on this interview for a year and a half was because I had just started recording on the podcast and I didn't know exactly how to adjust my volume settings yet. And so at the beginning of this interview, I completely blew out the audio. Like you'll hear in a minute, I completely blew it out up to the point of almost no return. Or maybe if you're a little bit better with audio than myself, you could fix this. And I was just really self-conscious and I just basically scrapped it. And I was going through an old hard drive a few days ago and I realized I still had this interview and it had been so long and I re-listened to some of it. And the audio actually gets better as you get into it. And I just thought to myself, well, at this point, it's been a year and a half. I'm a little bit less self-conscious in my podcast skill. So I'm just going to put it out there for you guys because it's a really good interview. A few of the things that we talk about on this episode is how to use RVing to plan a book tour and how Carrie got into being a voice actress, how she did that from the road full time as she traveled with her husband and their daughter. To get started in voice acting, the equipment that you need, how to land auditions and find coaches to help you along the way, and how to create a mobile recording studio in your RV. According to today's episode from Bar Harbor, Maine, where Alyssa and I got a month-long site at a little campground called Narrows 2 up here just outside of Acadia National Park. Uh, We hung out with some people from our Facebook group, and uh, we've met quite a few other people who are up here and around the area. So if you're going to be in the Bar Harbor area this month, uh, shoot us a message on Instagram at Heath and Alyssa or shoot me an email at heath at campgroundbooking.com. would love to meet up if you happen to be in the area. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a moment and thank today's sponsor, Outdoorsy. Outdoorsy is the largest and most trusted RV rental marketplace on the planet. Alyssa and I rented out our Winnebago Brave on Outdoorsy on several occasions like Christmas and spring break while we weren't using it, and the entire experience was awesome. At first, the idea of renting our RV seemed a little crazy. What if somebody wrecked my house? But with Outdoorsy's one-click insurance coverage and driver history background checks for renters, it makes the entire process safe, super easy, and fully insured. If you already own an RV, Outdoorsy can be a great way to make extra income by renting out your unit. We know renters who have made over $20,000 in one summer by renting out their RV when they weren't using it. Or if you're looking to test out the RV life for a road trip, I would highly recommend using Outdoorsy's RV rental marketplace where you'll find RVs of all kinds, everything from large class A's to smaller vans and everything in between listed for rent at affordable prices. And bonus, you'll get to rent from dependable owners like us. To learn more and get $25 off your first rental fee, go to outdoorsy.co slash partner slash RVE. All right, that's all for the sponsors today. Let's get into the show with Carrie Olson. What's up, Carrie? Hey, how are you, Heath? Good. I, I was just telling you, but I, I'm worried that I'm going to be secretly judged because of any kind of bad audio in this conversation, but you know what it's like having RV Park Internet. It, it definitely ebbs and flows. Yeah, so I, I'm super excited to talk with you. We got to hang out when you guys were on the road and doing your book tour this past year. By the way, how did that go? It was 
awesome. It was an incredible experience. The book, the book tour itself went well. We did a lot of um, kind of business to business things at the beginning. And then towards the end, we did some book signings and it was, it was good fun. Yeah. So the name of the book was One Bed, One Bank Account. And I remember I, I talked to Derek. I was actually on a train and I was going from Philadelphia to New York uh, last early last spring. It's probably a little bit after it is right now, probably in like February or March. And I don't know how Derek and I got connected. But by the way, Derek is your husband, for those of you who don't know. Yes. <laughs> but we were just talking. And he was like, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to we're buying an RV and we're going to do this extended book tour across the country for this book that's coming out. And we were just talking like RVs and we were on the phone for like an hour, but just like so excited. So what made you guys want to, you know, you, you published this ebook, you self-published it. And I would love to also hear a little bit about why you guys decided to do that. But you self-published this ebook and then you did an RV tour across the country. Of all things that you could possibly do, why did you guys mm -hmm. decide to buy an RV and do this tour? I think that probably most of your listeners and you can understand just kind of getting the bug. And when you get the bug and you can't really get rid of it until you actually make the trip. So that's pretty much what happened to us. And Derek started listening to a podcast called, uh, what is it, Adventure? I, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's a family adventure podcast. That's what it's called. And uh, it's about families who family specifically. So we have a young daughter. She was one at the time that we left. So a family specifically who go and just take long trips, whether it's in an RV, there's several families who live on boats and uh, who just kind of full-time live remotely. And Derek was listening to these podcasts and just getting kind of inspired. And we we're both just kind of adventurous that way anyway. And we, we didn't want to be in a situation where, you know, 50 years down the line, we wondered what would have happened if we, you know, just would have taken that leap. So we started putting things in motion to um, get it to where that we could leave and take this really long trip. And we decided to make it a business thing too, since we'd just written this book. So uh, that was kind of how it happened. Yeah. And I, I feel like most people try to, you know, like they think when whenever they have kids, that's when they'll settle down from like a nomadic lifestyle. But you guys actually hit the road with the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we got a lot of crazy looks for that. Um, but we thought it was a great time. Our daughter, like I said, was one. So she didn't know what was happening. As long as she was with us, she was fine. Uh, she couldn't walk at the time. So the space wasn't really an issue for her. And we wanted to bring her with us. You know, we didn't know if I don't know if she'll have any memories at all from it, but we've got the pictures at least. So it was a really cool thing to get to do as a family. That is amazing. And so um, how long were you guys actually on the road last year? We were on the road for about five months total. And then when we got back to Kansas City, which is where we're from, we lived in the travel trailer for another three months or so before getting a place. So we were in, in the travel trailer for about eight months total. And I mean, how would you say the book tour actually ended up you know, was it a success or, I mean, what, what do you feel like it, it came of it? Yeah, I think that it, it was worth it. Um, I mean, it, it's really funny because at first the, the trip, you know, was about the book and we wanted to, you know, our goals were to, you know, have a certain number of sales and meet new people and all of that. And eventually the trip just became about the trip. It, you know, it was more about just us having an adventure and getting to know each other better and in a different way and having all these experiences and meeting new people. Um, but yeah, the book tour was great. We got to network with, uh, we're, we're hooked up with a group called 
FinCon. So the book is on finances. So we had some meetups with other like bloggers and podcasters. And so we got some publicity that way. And then towards the end, we did some book signings and, you know, sold some books and, you know, met some more people. So it was great. It wasn't the, you know, we didn't make the New York Times bestsellers list or anything like that, but, um, but it was good for us. Yeah. Do you feel like you guys kind of got the bug for, you know, the, I wouldn't say the nomadic lifestyle, but this, just this idea that your finances aren't necessarily tied to, you know, like doing one specific thing, like like the fact that you guys could go and travel around because you had a product to sell of sorts. I mean, um, talk to me a little bit about like that mindset. Have you guys always like, what did you guys do before you wrote the book? Yeah. So Derek and I both worked corporate jobs when we first got married a little over five years ago. And we always knew that we wanted to be able to travel. We And not that we necessarily would travel forever, but we wanted to have the option. So we're, we're really big on you know, designing our lives the way that we want it, not feeling like we're stuck in a certain situation, but wanting to have control over, you know, to a certain extent over our lifestyle and where we live and how we live. So when we were both working corporate jobs, obviously we were, we were kind of stuck and, you know, physically just, you know, couldn't really move around much. We couldn't work from home. And so our first move was to pull Derek out of his job and he came home to start working on our business that we have together. Uh, we talk about marriage and money. And I stayed at work at my job. And the goal was once our business took off, and I could come home full time also. And that took a while to do. But um, luckily, I, I happened upon a voiceover as a career a little over a year ago. And so that was kind of the thing that was able to bring me home so that we both had location independent jobs so that we could do however much traveling we wanted to do, traveling or not traveling and, and kind of just be independent of, you know, that corporate mindset. Yeah. I think there's, there's so many people who are on that teetering edge. Like you're, you're flirting with this idea of being self-employed, but then there's also just this huge amount of resistance that comes with the fact that's like, you have a current steady paycheck and you're in this corporate job and you know, there's a sense of responsibility, but then there's this also this kind of allure of the fact that there's something out there that you could control and something that you could actually wake up and enjoy doing every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it really is, you know, it's, it's funny because it sounds great. It sounds so amazing, but you know, if only it was just as easy as, as, you know, hoping for it. And then all of a sudden it's there. Cause it, it is, takes work obviously you know to get to that point or else everyone would do it but yeah it is a it's a beautiful idea and now that we're here we love it we we wouldn't go back to the corporate lifestyle for anything <laughs> yeah so now you have your successful voice over career you're doing commercials for companies like REI AT&T and and lots of other cool companies that I saw on your website um, so talk to me about the process. Like, how did you actually figure out like voiceover acting? That's not one of the careers that I like. That's, that's right up there on the list of like color painting. I mean, or like finger, <laughs> I, I don't know, just like obscure <laughs> careers that I, I would never think of, but that now that you're doing it, it sounds so legit and cool. So like, how did you get started being a voiceover actress? First of all, is finger painting an actual career? I don't know is if that it was, maybe? that sounds like a blast. I mean, maybe for like two year olds. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So voiceover, I, I didn't know anything about it either. So we had our daughter in April of 2014. And like I said, I was working for a company and I had about a 40 to 60 minute commute depending on traffic and weather. So after my maternity leave, I kind of got spoiled being at home with Derek and Amelie. And so it was really hard for me to go back to work. But it actually ended up being my commute that kind of helped me to get out of that situation. So I listened to podcasts on my way to work. And I happened one day, just picked a random podcast. I'd never heard of it before. Didn't pick matter. Didn't look to see which episode interested me most. So I just listened to the latest one. And it happened to be an interview with Allison Steele. She's based out of L.A., and so I've, I've never heard of voice acting as a career before, and I'm just listening to this podcast. And about halfway through, the interviewer asks her what her day looks like. And she says, well, I get up and I go to yoga, and then I come back home and I check my email to see if any scripts have come in. And I go in my, my recording booth, I record some spots, and I come back out and kind of play around on Facebook, then go record a little bit more. And she's got two twins at home. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. Like, you could just... <laughs> talk into a microphone and work from home. That's incredible. And so at the end, she said that she offers lessons. And so I just immediately bought a $150 consultation from her and just said, like, tell me everything about voiceover. What is this? And uh, so she started coaching me. And start, I started getting work within weeks of getting coaching from her. So that was a good, you know, kind of indicator that this is something that might be a good thing uh, for us and to kind of bring me home, be the thing that that brings me home from work so that we can kind of pursue our other goals. Wow, that's awesome. So you were actually getting paid from not knowing anything about voiceover acting within weeks. Yeah, so I booked my first job about three weeks after my first lesson with her. Oh my gosh, so how, do, how does that even work? So like you're, talk to me about like what she took you through. And I know you, you just recently launched your own voiceover program that you're now teaching and kind of like giving back as well for people who are interested in doing the same thing that you've done. But how do you go about like getting a voiceover client? Like, is there like a website or like Craigslist? I don't know. <laughs> um, yes to both, actually. Now, I've never gotten a job off of Craigslist, but I know people that do. It definitely happens. Um, so there are a few different ways that you can get started. The way that I did it was since I didn't have any experience hardly any training. And, you know, I didn't have a demo or anything where I could like reach out to clients or reach out and try to get an agent. So I did something called pay to play sites, which is where you pay a monthly or annual fee, subscription fee, and these sites will send you auditions. So there are companies that need a voiceover actor and they post their job on these sites and then voice actors pay the fee and then can audition for an unlimited number of these jobs. And so that's how I started just a uh, you know, paid a monthly fee, started auditioning and was auditioning like 10 times a day. And this is in addition to my my job. So go to work all day, come home, take care of the baby, make dinner and then stay up sometimes until like midnight or 2 a.m. auditioning because I was obsessed. And uh, so that's how I got started, just through these pay to play sites. And then after that, you can kind of start building relationships with people and you get, you know, I started recording at a local recording studio and they would call me to do jobs. So just, you know, kind of doing some self-marketing and networking and kind of just getting out there. Did you have to like go out and buy any equipment to first get started interviewing for any of these positions or auditioning? Right. Um, that's the cool thing about uh, what Derek and I did with our business. We were podcasting anyway, and we just happened to have had a 
the microphones that we use for podcasting are good voiceover microphones. So I just used that for months. And so I didn't have to buy any equipment. Uh, I got started for, I mean, $350 probably with my startup cost for my business. That is awesome. And so what kind of what, how much do these gigs typically pay out? Anywhere from, so the most of the sites, if you do a pay-to-play site, they won't allow a client to post a job for under $100. So they're at least $100. Um, my first job that I ever got was a $450 job for a two-minute uh, narration. And then the second job I got was $150 for some YouTube videos for some um, small company. And then the third job I ever got was a national radio campaign, which is very unusual to to book a national campaign when it's your third job ever. But that's happened. That's just how it worked out for me. But the range is it's all over the place. There are people on Fiverr who are doing voiceovers for five bucks. And then there are people who make millions of dollars movie trailers. So it's last year that said that voice acting was like the second highest paid freelance job. And on average, it's like $70 an hour. Wow. So I guess you can, yeah, just take that for what it's worth, but it's all over the place. Yeah. And the beauty of this was that you guys, that you could do this from anywhere. Like when you guys were in the RV last year, you kind of had a makeshift audio booth, right? Yeah. Um, that was one of the most amazing things about the business because it it actually contributed to our being able to leave. So we transformed our bathroom and our travel trailer into a booth. And we just hung audio blankets and we had, uh, you know, foam acoustic tiles in there. It looked ridiculous, but it worked. <laughs> and I recorded, I mean, all kinds of spots from the travel trailer, the bathroom of a travel trailer. My clients never knew. So it worked. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you have to, I wonder if you had to do it like at night or something. Cause I'm just, I'm just imagining like I'm in an RV park right now and I'm, I'm sitting up in the front of my RV and I've got like this big curtain that covers up our front windshield and I'm, I'm like covering up different parts of the dash and stuff with a blanket because I'm just getting into this whole podcasting thing. And it's like, Oh, cover up hard surfaces. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna throw a blanket over stuff. But there's also all these vehicles like around, you know, the RV park and stuff. And so I'm just imagining that every now and then there's going to be like trucks pulling out and just like, uh, you know, all these random sounds. Oh yeah. It was definitely not ideal. So if I, if I recorded from the, the, the bathroom every once in a while there would be a huge diesel truck that would fire up and I would just have to wait you know because there's nothing you can do about that but there's here's a trick if you are going to get into voiceover and you're traveling there's one spot that every town has that is almost always guaranteed to be quiet can you guess what it is oh geez I have no idea (laughs) so (laughs) it's kind of creepy but the cemetery so you're right, I you're have right, done that is totally creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have driven to this like I'll just get on my iPhone and find okay, where's the closest cemetery if it's too noisy at the RV park and I'll drive to the cemetery and have my, you know, audio blankets in my car with me and I've recorded spots from the cemeteries of different towns all over the US. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to uh, get a career where you can go hang out at cemeteries, then voiceover acting <laughs> might be for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to I want to zoom back um, and and take a break a little bit from talking about um, the voiceover acting to the you guys actually hitting the road this past year because I and there's like a big stressful ordeal whenever you're trying to like pack everything up and, and transition into living in a trailer whether you're doing it for five months or like a year and so what are kind of some of the practical steps that you guys had to go through whenever you were um, making a move from 
like did you guys have an apartment or a house into a, a trailer? Yeah, so we had an apartment. We were moving from our apartment to our travel trailer and that was that was probably one of the hardest times for probably one of the most stressful times that Derek and I have had was getting trying to decide what to bring with us and then both of us having different ideas of how we should move everything and then where everything should go once we get it in and how to organize it all and it's just so hard I would even say maybe even impossible to estimate correctly how much stuff you need to bring because you just can't really visualize what that what living in that kind of space is going to be like and you don't know how the storage is going to work and how you're going to use everything until you're in the space so we started getting rid of things months ahead of time we sold over half of our stuff and you know had salvation army pickups just got rid of tons of stuff and then we stored the rest of it in a friend's basement but um yeah just the the practical bringing stuff into the trailer luckily on our way out we stopped at um, Derek's parents' house. They were on the way as we were heading out. And so um, we'd been in the trailer for a week at that time. And we just dropped off a ton of stuff at his parents' house because we had brought way too much stuff. So I don't know if that was your experience too, of like, you realized you brought too much stuff after you got on the road. But for us, that was, that's definitely what happened. Yeah. I think luckily we moved into ours kind of slowly. Like we had it parked in the same place while we still had an apartment. And so basically for like a month, we were bringing everything into the RV. And it's like, we brought twice as literally twice as much stuff. And I hear this with literally like every single person who moves into an RV, they, they bring like twice as much as they actually need. But I think some people make the mistake of like doing that right before they have to get on the road. So I I think it's always a good idea to be able to basically just like bring everything in and shorter, you know, like and have it sitting somewhere. So if it is way too much stuff, then you can just easily go put it back in storage or something like that. So when you guys were on the road, what was like, what was y'all schedule? Y'all had like an actual tour planned out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Derek had mapped out. It was pretty amazing, actually. Um, just a whole tour of the United States starting from where we were. We used an app called roadtripper.com and just kind of mapped out all of our different stops. And so we would spend about a week in each city and it would take us between a day and sometimes three days, I think, was the longest to get from stop to stop. So we'd have three days of just driving. We tried to keep those driving days short because, again, we had a one-year-old in the car. And we just thought it was kind of cruel to keep her strapped into her car seat for more than, you know, five hours a day. So um, our schedule on non-driving days, we'd get up. And if we had an event, we would go and, and do the do the event. But otherwise, if I had work to do... Derek and Amelie, our daughter, would have to leave because it's impossible to, I mean, you can't be quiet enough for when you're doing voiceover if there's someone else in such a small space. So they would leave and go like tour the town and I would, you know, record in my recording space slash bathroom. And, uh, <laughs> and then um, if Derek had work to do, we'd kind of swap. So then I would watch Amelie and he could either go to a coffee shop or work out of the travel trailer. Yeah. Well, something that we've always struggled with, and I don't know if you guys have like a good solution to this, is whenever we have a trouble like on travel days, like we still haven't yet to figure out like we've been doing this for like 18 months now. But, you know, do we wake up and actually like spend time driving and then like get somewhere and work or do we like wake up and work and then like travel? So I'd be interested to hear like what you guys did during that time. I think what we what we landed on because we kind of we're going back and forth between that too. Like, how does this work? But what we landed on was we would get up and leave. 
So we would try to be gone by 10 a.m. We found that that was a pretty good time because there's, you know, prep you have to do, stabilizing things and all of the hookups and hoses and all of that. So we would get up and just get everything ready to to move. And then by 10 a.m., we'd try to be on the road headed to the next spot. Gotcha. So when you were on the road, out of out of everything that you guys experienced, like you're traveling with your husband and you're traveling with Amelie. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get that right. But what would you say was like the best part about being on the road full time last year? It was really invigorating. So we it was funny because Derek and I both neither of us knew whether or not we would love it or hate it. We figured it would be one or the other, but we'd never done a trip like that. And so when you're, you know, you can easily say like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go tour the U.S. for five months. And, you know, that's easy to say, but you don't really know what that's going to be like until you're in that situation. I remember the first day we got on the road and like Derek's behind the wheel and I'm sitting next to him and we just kind of looked at each other and it was incredible. We just kind of had a high and that stayed with us pretty much the whole time. There was a lot of stress that came in with like the very first day we had a breakdown. And after that, Derek was just like nervous every single time we got behind the wheel that (laughs) we were going to break down. But for the most part, like we, I mean, we got to talk so much. And if you think about how much, how often you get to just spend time with your family that's, you know, you don't know anyone else because you're in new places all the time. You're on the road and you're working together. So, I mean, you have to be interacting. So it was just a really special time for us to like bond as a family. And, and it's funny because I think a lot of people think, well, I'm sure you just butted heads a ton. And that happened some, but I think for the most part, it was really great for us and for our relationship. And then, of course, just seeing all the sites. Like, we went to places we'd never been before. Amelie got to go to the beach several times, which she absolutely loved. And we got to see old friends and family we hadn't seen in a long time. So there were there were some amazing, oh, my gosh. We, like, Central California was gorgeous. Just, like, a, it looked like the scene from The Sound of Music, just the rolling hills. Yeah. Did you guys do the, the Pacific Coast Highway? We did for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I have to say that that's still like probably top one or two like road trips that every single person that has an RV like has to do at one point in their life is take a trip up the the one. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is it's just straight majestic. I mean, just these crazy cliffs looking over the Pacific Ocean. And to me, that that's like what I envision when I think of like the great American road trip for, you know what I mean? Like totally is, is, is Central California. Man, so how, you guys are now like back at home. So how has that transition been going back from like this adventure of being out on the road to being in one place? Yeah, I feel like we've gone through a whole range of emotions. So we actually just sold our trailer. I'm so sad. Even saying that is really <laughs> hard to say. It's been about two weeks now. So when we got back to Kansas City, it it was really strange to be still for a while we still loved our trailer and and we got into a spot where things were pretty good. I, I found a recording studio that was about a 20 minute drive from the RV park we were staying at. And so that was, that was fine and workable for a little while, but eventually being back in our own city, but not in the part of town we wanted to be in and not in a house got really wonky. It just felt kind of weird. So we felt, we just felt it was time to get back into like a stationary dwelling Um, And so we made that move in about two weeks ago, like I said, and it was just really hard. It was really bittersweet because towards the end, 
the trailer did start to feel small and we did start to feel like, man, we do, we want to, the whole point of this was to live where we want to live, but there wasn't an RV park in the part of town that we wanted to be in. So we were living in this small space, which was great, but it was still far away from everything we wanted to be in or everything we wanted to be around. So, um, yeah, it was it was a bittersweet move. So hard to say goodbye to our trailer, Sherman. But we're loving our new place, and we're you know back in a walkable city and having a great time. So yeah, it's almost like the the mobility is that's kind of the key. Like it's fine living in a small space, and I think you can do it from anywhere. But I think that's the whole the whole intent behind it is that if you do make the sacrifice to live in an RV or a tiny house or whatever, that you do want to be able to basically be in beautiful places and live where mm-hmm. you want. Because if you have to make that sacrifice to live in a small space and you're living in a place that's like, this isn't that awesome, then what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like exactly. you're practicing you're practicing minimalism and, and all that good stuff and that's cool. But it's like if yeah, if I'm not where I want to be, like right now we're in northern Alabama because we're finishing our documentary, but you know, we last last time around this year, we were in uh, Northern California, the south of uh, Santa Cruz, and we were just like, it's 40 to 65 degrees every single day. We have a hot tub. We're in the mountains, <laughs> five minutes away from the beach. It's like, sure, we're paying $910 for an RV spot, which is absolutely ridiculous a month, <laughs> but like, it's beautiful, you know, right. and I think that's that's the whole intent behind it. Absolutely. Yeah, so. that, and that's exactly where we found ourselves, because we were like, yeah, we love our trailer, but... Like, what's the point of living in it if we're in this, like, little town we don't like, you know? So, yeah, we're we're glad to be back somewhere we actually want to be. Yeah. So going back to the voiceover, tell me a little bit about the program that you just launched and, you know, what what is the purpose? Why did you do that? And, and what are people going to be able to get out of that? Yeah. So the, the course itself is called the voiceover success intensive. And I first launched it as a six week program that I presented live. And basically what I did was I just took all of the things that I either wish I would have known when I first got started or all of the things that were most important to me, because there's, there's a lot of voiceover information out there, but I wanted this to be something that was really succinct. That was only the the things that you needed to know to actually make money, to make a career out of it. Um, so I, I kind of condensed it down to the most important details. And then also some things that were kind of unique to my situation because I was able to, to go full time fairly quickly, uh, with voiceover and I think there were a few things that fell into place with that. One was that I, my corporate job that I was doing before voiceover was e-learning. So I am very um, familiar with just making online courses. And so when people started asking me, hey, how do you get into voiceover? How do you do it so quickly? I, it just was a natural thing for me to say, well, instead of just explaining this a million times, I'm just going to make an online course and make it available. If you want to know, there it is. So so that happened. And then my my coach, who I mentioned early on, Allison Steele, she partnered with me in it as well. So she teaches part of the class because she's amazing and just really talented and, and good at teaching acting. And I don't have an acting background. So she teaches that part. And then I teach more of the like business stuff or the things that that I um that were just most helpful to me as a new voice actor. Yeah. What would you say, like what kind of person is ideally suited to be a voiceover actor? Like if you, if you like X things or doing what, <laughs> talking, that, that's, I guess. <laughs> right. If you like being in small confined spaces all day long. Um, no. So that, that's an interesting question. Cause I think that they're all different. It's kind of like saying what type of person should be an actor because it's funny, voice acting feels like 
if you ask the, the average person who records those voices that you hear on the radio, I think a lot of people think, well, Toyota just finds someone in their company who has a nice voice and they just read it. They don't realize that it's trained, skilled actors who are being hired specifically for, you know, this, you know, specialized type of work. Um, so it's kind of like if you are, if you have an acting background, that helps. Um, if you're comfortable behind a microphone, that helps. But the the main thing that voiceover is, is communication and being able to relate to to people. So, you know, if, if you can, when you're not looking at a person at all, you're in a closet or in a recording booth by yourself, but you can read a piece of copy that isn't necessarily what you would say or what you believe, but read it as if you are that person and relate to the audience that it's intended for, then, you know, that's, then you can do voiceover. Yeah. And it, and it seems like there's a relatively low barrier to entry in the sense that, you know, you mentioned a couple, what were the websites that you mentioned where you can sign up and people, they'll send you um, possible paying gigs for voiceover acting and you can try out? Yeah. So the, the two biggest ones are voices.com and voice123.com. And they're similar. Uh, Voices.com, everything is managed within the site. So you're not allowed to talk to the clients outside of the site. They handle all of the payments within. And because of that, they, they take a cut of your your payment or your, your rate. And then Voice123 is more of just a matchmaking site. So the client posts the job. And then if they choose your audition for it, you connect with them outside of the site. So you do your own invoicing. You can kind of make your own rates a little bit and you're allowed to contact them outside of of the site. So those are kind of the two main differences, but they're they're pretty similar and uh, similar types of jobs on both sides. And there are others out there, but those are the two big ones. Yeah, those are the two main ones. So on average, how many uh, voiceover gigs would you say that you do a month? Oh, goodness. Um, at this point, I'm probably doing, I mean, sometimes I've got multiple a day. Sometimes it's a slow day and I don't have any so I'm going to say 20. Wow. And and the average payout could be anywhere from 100 to $500. Well, let's see. So I I really will do a job for under 100. Um the for a while there my average job that I was getting was around 3 to 300 to $450. But you know, if you do a national campaign, you can get or a national commercial, you know, $1500. I've had, you know, days where I made Three thousand dollars in forty-five minutes. So it, it really just it very it depends on what the type of work that you're doing. So if you're just doing you know a little explainer video for YouTube for someone's you know a startup company, you might make one hundred fifty dollars off of that, and that's fine. You know that's that's pretty good. But then you can also do national spots and make you know thousands in the same amount of time. So it just depends on what's coming down the pipe. If if somebody's interested in possibly tinkering with it, but they're not really sure, like if they want to do voiceover acting, like if that's their thing, but they're just trying to figure out a way to basically make a living from you know like remote or being on the road, what would you say is like a few things like that they can do to get started and just kind of test it out and see if this is for them? Yeah, I'd say the first thing would just be to start recording yourself. So you don't even have to have you know a professional microphone. If you've got a smartphone that has a recorder in it, just start recording your voice just so you can kind of start getting used to what that feels like and getting used to hearing your voice back. And you can do things like transcribe commercials off of TV and radio and read those back and try to, you can either try to mimic or give the spots your own twist. You can find scripts online. You can read magazine ads, billboards, just do, 
you know, practice is the main thing. So that would be the first thing is just to start recording yourself. And then after that, if you feel like that is comfortable for you and that's, you know, energizing and you like doing that kind of thing, then you can look into hiring a coach or taking, getting some kind of training. I think that a lot of people think that voiceover is just talking. So I'm just going to, you know, sign up on voices.com and start auditioning. But there are, there are a lot of nuanced things about performing and even about, you know, uh, recording auditions that just having a several uh, sessions with a coach would help you to go from, you know, where a client would never even consider your audition to, you know, there are a few things you can do that we're going to make it more likely to be a contender. So um, I definitely recommend getting training. When you get to the point of, yes, I want to make a go of this, I would not recommend trying to do it alone. Now, it's possible people have done it, but I think that getting a, a coach, I know that that was instrumental for me. Like she helped me so much. I got where I was so much faster than I ever could have on my own because I had a coach. So um, you just remember that it's a business. So if you want to get something out of it, you do need to invest in it. Yeah. And we'll definitely link in the show notes and on my blog page to your new course. Can people go ahead and sign up for that? Like it's ready, um, you know, like you're already teaching inside there. Yeah, you can sign up for my newsletter. I actually do it in uh, kind of phases. So I just closed one of the class. I'm not sure when this is airing, but um, one of the sessions just closed. And then after that, I'll have another launch either in February or March. So the course will open up then. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. This was awesome. You have to give Derek a hug for me and tell him I said I hi. Will. Yeah. <laughs> but this was a lot of fun, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We are nearing the 100th episode for the RV Entrepreneur. I say nearing it, meaning that we're going to record it relatively soon because this is episode 86. And I want to do something kind of special for the 100th episode. I have no idea what I want to do yet. But if you have any ideas, let me know uh, if any bright ideas for how or how to celebrate or what we should do, whether that's like an in-person recording where we kind of invite some people out and we, you know, do a barbecue and record a podcast in a random place. Or I don't know, like what fun ideas you could do to celebrate. I'm trying to be better at celebrating stuff. And so if you have any cool ideas for how to make the 100th episode special or something we can do there, let me know. Shoot us a message on Instagram at Heath and Alyssa or drop a comment in our Facebook group, Make Money in RV. And uh, I would love to hear from you guys. If you haven't left a review and subscribed in iTunes, I would love to hear from you guys. It means the world. I read all of them and it helps more people find the show, which more and more people are doing all the time. Hearing from you guys seriously makes this worth it. Uh, it encourages me to show up, keep recording, and continue pushing out more episodes. So thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. Oh, my God.